This evening's reading comes from Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. This can be found on page 1051 in the Church Bibles. Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice, and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? If you'd like to um, keep your Bibles open at Luke chapter 18... And we'll look at that together. Um, just before we start, I, I just thought before I came out, and uh, my, my son and daughter-in-law and my other son and daughter-in-law were with us today with the grandchildren, so we had a, a hectic afternoon. But one of my sons was a missionary in Ukraine for five years, so they're very much in touch with what's going on on the ground, and they shared with us some of the things that they're hearing from their friends there. So, and it was really encouraging that the, the children of God, the people of God, are being incredibly courageous and brave. And they're sensing the presence of God. They're, they're just saying to, and John and Fritha are very much in touch with them, saying we can really sense and feel the presence of God. And, and they're getting involved as much as they can in looking after the refugees that are coming out of Kiev and, and looking after feeding them and giving them the bits that they need and, and just helping them on their way and supporting them. And, and, and they sense God's hand in that. So it's, a, it's really nice, having listened to the news, to hear something encouraging. God is at work, and God is doing things, even in this, what, what to us seems a dreadful situation. The, the youngsters there that are serving God are incredibly courageous. So as we're asked this week to pray for them, do pray for the, the Christian believers in Ukraine. They're, they're serving God faithfully in very difficult situations. So back to Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. And what we have here is Jesus teaching a parable to his disciples that they should always pray and not give up. They're on the way to Jerusalem. This is the final part of Jesus' life. The disciples have been with Jesus for quite a while now and he's training them. He's training them for a, for a life of ministry, for a life probably that they've got no idea what is about to come. They really still don't understand what's going to happen to Jesus in just a few weeks, a few months' time. And so Jesus is preparing them for, for that and also for the life that they're going to live in the future that is not going to be an easy life at all. So he's teaching them that they must pray and pray and pray because that is going to be their strength. Let us 
pray together before we start. Heavenly Father, this is your word and we thank you for it. These are the very words of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we hear them as spoken by his lips and may your spirit interpret them to our hearts that we might hear you speaking to us this evening. Prayer we find very difficult. Persistent prayer is something that we find even more difficult. So help us to pray. Teach us how to pray persistently. This evening we pray. Amen. So Jesus is preparing them for for a life and ministry without his physical presence. So far, they've had him with them. And, And they've witnessed. I often put myself in the disciples' shoes and think, they were fishermen. They were tax collectors. And they'd spent three years now with the Lord and they'd seen the most amazing things, mind-blowing things. And not only had they seen these amazing things, but the Messiah was, a, was amongst them. They knew by now that this man amongst them was the Messiah, the, 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 the deeply wanted one, the saviour of Israel. It was a, it was a very exciting time for them. And, and Jesus tells them why he told them this parable. Verse 18, chapter 18, verse 1. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So the parable is about prayer, is about persistent prayer and not giving up. If we turn over in in chapter 18 to verses 31, if you've got it there in your Bibles, we, we can see something of why Jesus needs to prepare his disciples for what lies ahead. So verse 31, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, this is slightly after this, this parable, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles, they will mock him, insult him and spit on him, they will flog him and kill him and on the third day he will rise again. And then verse 34, very telling, The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them and they didn't know what he was talking about. They soon would. Jesus needed to reveal things to them. And and the parable is a way of Jesus revealing things to them. They hadn't got it by the end of this chapter, but very soon they would. So so let's read it together. Let's read the parable that Jesus said in verse 2. He, Jesus said... In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared for what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And then the Lord said to the disciples, listen to what the unjust judge says. So, so what we have in the parable, it's a very, it's a very easy parable to, to, to visualise, isn't it? We've got this, this judge, we've got a hopeless judge, utterly hopeless. He neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And we see that in verse 2. In verse 6, we, we read that he was an unjust judge, the worst possible kind of judge. And then we see in verse 4 that he was unwilling to help those who came to him for help. 
and willing particularly to help the widow who needed his help. So we have a hopeless judge, we have a, a helpless widow, she needed help. She had an adversary, verse 3, who, who was causing her problems. And, and we don't know what those problems were, Jesus doesn't say that. But they were severe, so, and the help she needed was judicial. Verse 3, she says, give me justice against my adversary. Only the judge could help her. He could help. His ruling could and would make all the difference to her life. But he refused. He refused point blank to help her. That's in verse 4. But we see, and this is the, 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 the main meaning of the passage, persistence paid off. This is in verses 3 and 5. She kept coming to the judge, verse 3. She kept bothering the judge, verse 5. And according to verse 5, she must have even threatened him because he was afraid of being attacked by this woman. So, basically, the truth is here, she knew the judge. She'd been at his door night and day. She, she knew him, she'd been to him, give me, give me justice, give me justice. She knew the judge. And what's more, the judge knew her. He must have thought, oh no, there she is again. So it's an easy picture to imagine in this parable. We have a curmudgeonly selfish judge being constantly pestered by a determined widow. Morning, noon and night she kept coming, bothering, threatening, at home, in the market, in the street. There she was. He must have thought, no, not again. And eventually her persistent pays off, verses 4 and 5, the judge says to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, he knew his own self, didn't he? Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. Verse 5. It would seem at first reading that this is teaching us that we should bother God until he is sick and tired of us coming to him. That's not the teaching of the parable. God is not an unjust judge. God is a very just, he is the most just judge. What we'll see in this parable is a comparison between the worst and the best. That's what this parable is about. And then verses 6 to 8, Jesus applies the parable to the disciples. Verse 6, in, in speaking to the disciples, Jesus is using a lesser than, greater than argument. It's a very biblical argument going on here. To get his lesson across. If this hopeless judge gives justice, then won't God, the perfect judge, bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? The answer, which they will give us, of course he will. Of course God will, ju will, will give justice. And verse 8, and he'll do it quickly. And, and the disciples must have remembered this parable in the months and years that lay ahead when they felt unjustly treated, as they were. We will get justice one day and that justice will come quickly. They must have remembered this parable. Perhaps the Spirit brought it back to them when they were going through real difficulties that were beyond their ability to, to withstand. And also they would see their precious Lord and Master too in just a few weeks, a few months' time treated with utter injustice. They, they'd experience themselves. They, they would face trouble and persecution and hatred and, and rejection as Christians have done 
down through the centuries, down through the millennia. It, it follows along, doesn't it? Christians are not treated with open arms and, and, and with joy. They're, they're often persecuted. They still are. We, we only have to read the Acts of the Apostles for evidence of the unjust treatment. It followed them everywhere. Of, these, of the twelve core disciples that were listening to this parable from the lips of our Lord, only one would live to old age. Judas, we know, committed suicide. The other ten would be martyred for their faith, persecuted to, to the utmost. So they needed to learn how to pray. How could they keep going? How can you keep going through persecution? How can the Ukrainian believers keep going with, with this unjust treatment that they will surely see happening all around them? Prayer. Prayer is the answer for that. Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray and not give up in their prayers. They knew that justice would come one day. There would be a day of judgment. Jesus had taught that. And on that day they would be fully vindicated and rewarded. But not until that day. The justice of God is not meted out wholly in this life, in this world, but it will be on the day of judgment. And on that day also, the evil and the wicked people who oppose the disciples, who oppose the Lord and his work, who oppose Christians down through the centuries, they too will, will receive their judgment. They'll be punished by the just and the holy God. And who is that judge? Who is that judge who will one day judge, judge them with great justice? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who's going to be on the throne judging the nations. They, will they get justice? Jesus said, I tell you, of course they will. He says they will, verse 8. There will be justice. Sometimes we, we find it difficult. Our children, there's a phrase that children use so often, it's not fair. Teachers that are here, they must hear it from their, their children at school. It's not fair. And, and, and Alison, my wife, said, our headmistress used to say to us, life is not fair, dears. And of course, it's not, is it? There's a lot of unfairness. We look around our world and, and we're burdened by the fact that it's not fair. There's a lot of unfairness. There's a lot of injustice. But it's not going to last forever. There will be a day when justice is met. Justice is seen. It's meted out completely. Jesus said that. So, the Christian finds justice on the last day. But does the Lord find faith? That's verse 8. Strange little verse at the end of this parable. You read the parable, great, that's it. Then verse 8, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. That's fine, that's to do with it. Then, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? It's like, what's that about? Where did that come from? And as I was preparing this sermon... It just puzzled me. It was a real tough nut to crack, this one. And those of you that, that preach from, t from time to time, you, you'll know that that's true. But, but it just didn't fit the rest of the parable. Lord, why have you put that verse there? What, what's that about? And as, as we learned that Jesus says that prayer is important in, in, in overcoming injustice and our feeling of that, so prayer is a very important weapon in preparing sermons and, and cracking difficult verses. And, and, and bit by bit it drifted, ah, now I see what this is about. This parable is about prayer, but this parable is also about faith. Faith. Faith and prayer go together. 
And this widow had faith. She had faith that the judge could help her. She knew that the judge could help her. That's faith. She knew, he, this guy, he can help me. And she kept coming to him, knowing that her help could come from him. In the many instances of faith being applauded by the Lord in the Gospels, we see this same certainty, don't we? That, that for one example, in Matthew 8, we see the faith of the centurion. You know, the story, he came to the Lord asking for help. My servant is at home suffering terribly. Please come and help. And then he, the Lord started to go and he said, no, 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 you don't need to come. Just say the word and he'll be healed. Just give the word and he'll be healed. And he was. And Jesus says, truly, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. He knew that the Lord could help him. And he knew that here was the man who could heal his servant, who could answer his prayer. And the faith of the widow in this parable is similar. She knew that the judge could help. He was able to help. He just didn't want to. He just wouldn't lift a finger to help. So she pestered him until he did. She exercised her faith in him, pestering him. Prayer and faith go together. It's faith that takes us into the presence of God. Faith is like a bridge that takes us into the presence of God where we bring to him our prayers. That's what it is. It it links us to to the heavenly realms where Jesus, who spoke these words, now is. The man God is is literally in heaven. So so we bring our prayers to the very one who is telling us to pray. And faith believes that. And faith actually takes us in to the presence of God where we bring him our prayers. We take our prayers over that bridge, right to the Lord himself. Faith brings us to God. So faith and prayer come together. They're very important. And Jesus was about to leave his disciples physically. He was going to leave them and they were going to be heartbroken for a while. But he was to return to them later by his spirit and be with them forever. Right at the end of Matthew he says, and surely I am with you always. Jesus left his disciples physically, but he came back to them. He said, wait in Jerusalem until I come. And he came back when the Spirit came, so Jesus came back to them to be with them forever. The physical Jesus that gave strength and comfort to his disciples, he is with them. He is with us. The Spirit is with us. We have God with us. We needn't be afraid. We are living And that's the lesson for us. That's the application for us. It's quite straightforward. We are living in increasingly godless times. If you're anything like me, sometimes it just gets you down. It is so godless. Not only are we just going against, against the tide, the current is fierce. And to be a Christian and to speak out your Christian values that are good and that are truth, you're just like swamped by opposition. And that's our times. We need to pray to keep on going and to serve God. Our culture is increasingly anti-Christian. It's against Christian truth. It's against Christians. Don't be surprised that it is. Humanism, atheism and, and false teaching have infiltrated education, government and sadly even the church. So what should we do? How are we going to live? We must always pray and not give up. It'd be nice if it was easier, if somebody did the work for us. But the Lord says, no, no, no. You must pray 
and not give up. Always pray. Pray all the time. Pray about everything and not give up. And we must live faithfully in a society that doesn't. We must set our hopes, not in this world, but on the grace and blessing and reward that will be brought to us when the Lord returns. If the disciples need to learn to pray, so do we. So let me just give you a few practical suggestions that would help us to pray. He said, that's all very well for you. Tell us to pray. It's hard. I try to pray. Every time I try to pray, something happens. Prayer, let me say first of all, what prayer is. Prayer is not an act of like mindfulness that kind of lifts us out of our miseries. We, we just kind of switch off from the world and we enter this like zen-like state of being at peace. That's not prayer. This is anaesthetic that dulls our fears, that makes us feel just somehow, oh, that's better, I feel better for that. Prayer is coming into the presence of a holy God. Prayer is bringing our requests to him. Prayer is bringing our our thanksgiving to him, our joys to him. Prayer is coming to God, the living God. It takes us into the presence of God where we worship, where we adore, where we submit our entire beings to him. We cast our anxieties on him, our fears on him, knowing that he cares for us. This curmudgeonly old judge didn't care about anybody, couldn't care less what people thought. We know that our God, our judge, cares for us. Cast your anxieties upon him, for he cares for you. We need to believe, in the first instance, as we come to God in prayer, as Christians, he cares for us. He doesn't want to go away, go away. He delights when we come to him. He delights to hear our prayers. He delights to answer them in his time and in his manner. So remember that. We are his chosen ones, verse 7. He cares for us. We thank him for everything. That's a hard call, isn't it? But true prayer does that. And those of you that have been through difficulties, eventually you come to the stage when, Lord, I thank you even for that. Because it's brought me closer to you. It's it's helped me to understand more of you, more, more of suffering maybe. We thank him for everything. We bring him our requests for, for ourselves, for others, for, for leadership in the, in the world and in our churches. We thank God for those things. We ask him for strength, for help, for wisdom. We, we know our weakness. God doesn't, isn't embarrassed when we come into his presence. Oh, here comes that weak Phil Washington. He just gets everything wrong. I taught him that a few months ago. Has he learnt it? No. Constantly, constantly, I let the Lord down. I remember as a young Christian thinking, oh, I'm so looking forward to being a mature Christian. It'll just be so much easier. I can be there like, like these great old saints, these prayer warriors, and there I'll be. And it's, it's a bit disappointing, isn't it? I've been walking with the Lord for 40 years or so. I thought there'd be some kind of halo there. But there isn't. It's really hard. And the Lord knows that. He, he makes us aware of our weaknesses that we just trust and rest entirely on him because that's where he wants us to be. We constantly, we've done that already in our service, seek his forgiveness to cleanse us from our sin. And and when we pray in this way, when we come into his presence in the name of Jesus Christ, a transaction takes place. We meet with our risen Lord. He hears our prayers. We don't just like throw these words off into some, some nebulous place. We bring them to him. 
and he hears us and faith believes that he hears us, that he's heard us and that he's going to answer our prayers. Prayer is hard work. It takes time and effort and whenever you come to pray there will be a distraction. There will be an interruption. I guarantee it. But we go through those things. Younger folks that are here this evening, get into the habit of praying. Make it like a daily thing. Just like checking on Facebook that you do all the time. Make prayer as as regular as that. Pray regularly. Make it part of your day. Just make like a rut of prayer. I think I've got to the stage now when I'm really pleased at that. That if If I haven't prayed at the end of the day, I think... I'm brave, I'm brave. There's, there's something missing. And I'm so, one, it's a guilt complex that I'm quite happy to have because, great, I need to pray. And I, and I miss it if I, if I fail to pray. I really miss it. Something's missing in that. So get into the habit of praying. Older folks, we have more choice. We all have the same time, don't we? So they people say, oh, when you're old and retired, you've got more time. No, no, no. We've all got the same amount of time, but we've got we've got the more choice as to how we spend our time older folks here make more time for prayer be a prayer warrior pray for the youngsters take people into your hearts into your lives and pray for them it's going to make a massive difference massive difference talk to somebody on a Sunday and you think oh they seem to have gone through a real difficulty at the moment put them on your prayer list pray for them pray for them Alison and I, we have a little prayer list. We're really quite old school in our praying. And just over the last year or so, we've had so many answers to long-term prayers, almost that you want to think, you know what, I give up with that person. I give up with that thing. And, and they think, good grief. It's like, wow, our prayers are being answered. After years and years and years. It's wonderful. So keep on praying. And maybe some of you here this evening are just like holding your heads either in shame or just sticking your fingers in your ears and say, Phil, I gave up praying a long time ago. I just couldn't bear it anymore. Really, my faith is empty. I'm dead. Spirit, I just come along because people are nice and feel as though I ought to. Given up praying, then the Lord is saying to you, get back to praying. If your prayer is weak, even if it's tiny, Lord, help me to pray. Let that, that, that be your first prayer. Lord, help me to pray. Start small, but keep it regular. I was talking with a, with a friend the other day, and we, he was struggling to pray, struggling find, to find the time to pray. And he said, but the funny thing is, I find time for Facebook. I can be on there distracted for, for, for ages, half an hour, maybe more. And that's the lesson, isn't it? We can, we can find the time. Do that. Make time to pray. Get to pray again. Don't know what to pray? Then be like me. Have a list, a little list, daily list. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Some of you are on there and have been for for a long time. Pray for those people. Pray for those things. Use the Lord's Prayer that we said. Use that as a template for your prayer. It's a great template for prayer. It starts with God, worshipping God. It's lovely. There are many opportunities to pray at church. Ben would be cross with me if I didn't say this. Use those opportunities. I feel bad. I rebuke myself at this final point. Make those opportunities that are there at church to pray together, to seek God's people. It's good to pray together. So this widow knew the judge. The judge knew the widow. Can I ask you one final question this evening? Do you know the judge? Do you know 
the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you come to faith to believe in him? Can you come into the presence of God totally unashamed in the, in the righteousness of the judge of Christ? Do you know the judge? Does he know you? Remember those things, that, those final words? I never knew you. They're the most frightening words in the scriptures. Get to know the judge and let the judge know you through your prayers and through your faith. We'll end on Colossians chapter 4, four verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, the call to prayer is a tough one and we pray that from this evening on the call might, we might have sensed it as coming from you and you who give the call also equips us. Who knows what lies ahead? The disciples had no idea they needed to learn to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray effectively. Teach us to pray joyfully. So lead us into your presence that that's the best part of the day, to spend time with you, to unburden ourselves, to delight ourselves in your presence, to be fed, to be nurtured by your spirit. Lord, teach us, help us to pray. Amen.